This is Daniel 9, verses 4 through 19. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where he has scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because you have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have repelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the laws of Moses and the servant of God have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all that is disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in your keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and her people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, near the prayers and petitions of your servant, for your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. This is First John, verse um, First John one verses five through ten. This is a message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Well, there's a lot to unpack this morning, but hopefully I'll get you out of here by lunch. <laughs> and then maybe I'll get Killbuck out by supper. They don't know it yet. Forgiveness. Jesus, in his own words, often told people, your sins are forgiven. And Scripture tells us in 1 John one nine there, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What stunning statements. Forgiveness is powerful. Unforgiveness can also be powerful. You see, when we refuse to forgive those who have wronged us, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our, our relationship, not only with others, but with God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, If you do not forgive others of their sins your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. Throughout scriptures, we find that forgiveness is commanded of us. It's not optional. Colossians 3.13 tells us to forgive because we have been forgiven. If you go back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 50, verse 17, forgiveness restores broken relationships. In the Gospels, in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, forgiveness leads to healing. Or I'm sorry, that, uh, forgiveness uh, there is a path of love. And then, and then in Luke chapter 5, 17 to 26, forgiveness leads to healing. And, and so on and so on throughout the scriptures. God's message for us this week in, in this series that we're doing on prayers of the Bible is from this prayer of Daniel, a prayer for forgiveness. And the significance strikes me all the more because of National Day of Prayer this Thursday. Folks, if there's anything that Christ's church, that we as a nation need to be doing, it's humbling ourselves in an attitude of prayer and seeking God's forgiveness. Back in 1887, Alexander Tyler, he was a, a Scottish history professor at the University of Edinburgh, and he studied history and he outlined this sequence that has proven over and over 
about how nations fall. They move from bondage to spiritual faith. And then they go from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to to abundance, from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, and from dependence back into bondage again. I wonder if we have not become a country of dependence rather than independence. And at what point do we find ourselves plunging back into bondage? I'm about to say something that that may be a bit of a controversial statement. We are failing as a nation. Not only that, we are failing as Christ's church. John Stott, he was a British theologian and a pastor, put it this way, He was speaking to an American audience and he said, you know what your country is like. I'm a visitor, so I wouldn't presume to speak about America. But I know what Great Britain is like. I know something about the growing dishonesty, corruption, immorality, violence, pornography, the diminishing respect for human life. Whose fault is it? Let me put it like this. If the house is dark at night, there's no sense blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question is, where is the light? If meat goes bad. There's no sense in blaming the meat. That's what happened when bacteria is allowed to grow. The question is, where's the salt? And if you know salt, a preservative, right? If society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society, he says. That's what happened when fallen human society is left to itself. Human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question is, where is the church? Where is the church? And what can the church do to stem the tide of immorality that is all around us? Well, maybe it's time that the church turn back to God again. It's a time for us as a church to to get on our knees, 
to pray before the one who can deliver us from ourselves. I see it as like an implosion. Have you, have you ever watched demolition crews when they bring buildings down and, and everything falls in? It's, it's like, you know, as a country, are we imploding rather than exploding? To understand the significance of that, we, we turn here to Daniel this morning who found his own nation under God's judgment. Uh, the Jewish nation was in captivity in Babylon because they had turned their backs on God. And as Daniel sees their futures, it, it shakes him up because he sees even more dark days ahead. It brings Daniel to his knees. And Daniel pleads with God, confident that God will help keep his promise. And, and you know, that's the way that we need to pray for the nation, for our country. We need to pray with confidence in God's word, right? We, we need to pray with assurance that God is going to keep the promises that he has made. Now, I, I wish that there was a word from God that he was going to deliver the United States like he delivered Israel. But, but that's not the case. We don't, we don't see that directly in the scriptures. But even still, there are plenty of promises and principles from the scripture that we can claim for our situation. For example, when Abraham, we, we just had our, our movie on Abraham, we had a great uh, Bible study uh, on Tuesday night. When Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah, he asked the Lord, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And then he asked the Lord to spare those cities for the sake of just a few righteous people. Could we not ask God to spare our nation for the sake of his people that are still here? And then I think of Jesus' promise in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. He says, if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. John 15, 5. That is, if we live in daily dependence upon Christ, if we're going to be dependent upon something, then why not be dependent upon Jesus? Why be dependent upon money or success or, or, or our government? We're going to be able to influence others to follow Jesus if we're abiding in him. The, the fruit is going to show. And in the context of John 15, we can be a positive witness. We, we can help be that light in a world that frankly has become hostile. We, could, could we not ask God to use us to turn things around? Just as, as each one of us touches one life at a time to share the gospel of Jesus. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, God's word says that the Holy Spirit through his church is a preserving influence in the world. 
That is, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, we can help hold back evil forces from running our culture. We've mentioned here at Nashville a situation in Kilbuck. And April 16th came around, and that medium that was come to the Duncan Theater did not happen. We were in, what, six, eight weeks that we had been praying. Now, it, it's postponed. It'll, it's rescheduled for May, so we're going to keep on praying. Again, could, could we not ask God to use us in this way to, to keep the spirit of these worldly things from overtaking our communities, from overtaking our country? until Jesus comes back someday and, and redeems his church. These are the types of prayers that God will answer because they're in line with, with his word. There are things that he already said he would do. He's promised us. Because of my time at Ohio University studying sociology and such, there was a, a sociology, Robert Bella, who taught at the University of California at Berkeley. And he was very interested in the influence of religion on community. Before he died in 2013, he, there was an interview in Psycholo uh, Psychology Today. And he said this, we should not underestimate the significance of the small group of people who have a new vision of a just, in gentle world, the quality of a culture may be changed when 2% of its people have a new vision. Just 2%. But the important part of that comment, I think, have a new vision. We, we, we've asked that question here over the past year, is, is a church, what is going to be our vision as we work for Christ into the future? Since God promised to, to use his people to, to hold back the, the forces of the world, the forces of evil, and, and, and to bear fruit, we, we should pray with confidence, with assurance that God will keep those promises. Maybe we could be among that 2% that could change our community, that could change something in the world. So pray with confidence in God's word. Second, again, we, we need to assume that posture of humility. We need to be praying, confessing our sins. Humbly acknowledging before God that, yes, we deserve his judgment. To be on your knees before God, admitting that we've rebelled against him. We hear the words, we read them, But then we say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That's not about us. 
You know, that's what Daniel is doing if we look at his prayer here in, in, in the fourth verse. Fourth verse, He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him. Do you love God this morning? Come on. There's more than Rex. Do you love God this morning? Okay, well, he loves you. But now, if, if I were to ask that question to God, do you think he's just going to sit there and, <laughs> hmm, I don't know, do I love them? Okay, but see, we've sinned. We, we, we've done things. We, we don't step forward and acknowledge God like we should. We, we've done wrong in our time here on earth. We've rebelled. We've turned away from what the scripture tells us. Daniel, as you read that and as you heard Easton read it, he does not sugarcoat sin one bit. Now, how often do we try to do that? Sugarcoat it, right? Daniel, he, he describes it in all its horror. He uses every synonym that he can pile up upon one another. We have sinned, he says. We have done wrong. We've been wicked. We've rebelled. We've turned away. We've not listened. Daniel doesn't say, oops, we made a mistake, God. Excuse us. No, Daniel says, Lord, we have purposelessly, we have deliberately turned against you, and there is no excuse for that. That's exactly what we need to do. We have sinned to the extreme. We've sinned to our own embarrassment. And then look at how Daniel prays in verse 7. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, all of Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Daniel confesses. We're covered with shame because we've sinned against you. And the same thing could be said about us. We're covered with shame because of our unfaithfulness. Things that were once too shameful to talk about, they're now celebrated. We've sinned to the extreme. We've sinned to our own embarrassment. We've sinned without excuse because God's word tells us. It's the truth. That type of prayer needs to be prayed again and again in every house in the country from your house to the White House. It's the only way to pray for a nation that faces judgment. We have to pray with confidence in God's word. We have to pray confessing our sins. And then we see here in this prayer of Daniel that we must call on God's mercy. We must ask for God's forgiveness, appealing to his grace. And that's what Daniel does as he prays for his nation. 
Now, our God, hear the prayers and the petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on the desolate sanctuary. Give ear, God, hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we're righteous, but because of your great mercy. Listen, O Lord, forgive, hear, act. Daniel appears to God's mercy and grace because he knows that his nation, they haven't done anything to deserve anything from God. And that's what we need to be appealing. Lord, listen, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Act. Not because we're righteous, but because of your great mercy. When Napoleon was the emperor of France, a mother visited him on behalf of her condemned son. And Napoleon told her that her son had been committing the the same offense over and over, and, and so justice demanded the death penalty. But she says, Sir, I don't ask for justice, only for mercy. He doesn't deserve it. Napoleon said. And the mother admits, no, he doesn't. But then it wouldn't be mercy if he did deserve it. And so Napoleon showed him mercy. Like that young man, we all become before the ruler of the universe. God. And we deserve the death penalty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the Bible is very clear. Justice demands that we die. So our only hope is to plead for mercy. How can a holy and just God show us mercy? It's because of what the season that we're celebrating. It's because of Jesus, his son, who took the penalty for us upon himself. He died instead of us on the cross. He suffered the penalty in our place. And now a just and holy God can show mercy because the penalty for that sin has already been paid. All we need to do is throw ourselves on his mercy. Don't demand justice from God, but plead for mercy. Pray with confidence in God's word. Pray confessing our sins. Pray calling on God's mercy. It's very clear that the the theme here in Daniel's prayer is, is one of confession. And we can learn from that.
as we've looked at these other prayers uh, in this series so far, you know, Daniel starts with praise. Verse 4 there in Daniel chapter 9, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love him, who keep his commandments. He's praising God. He's recognizing his majesty, his awesomeness. He's coming before God with reverence. We had, we had a discussion at the Bible study about you know, what the fear of God. What is the fear of God? Well, it's to revere God for, for who he is, the awesome, mighty, powerful God, and to realize that. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and he starts by saying, Hallowed be thy name. It's not the words that are so important, but it's the attitude behind the words, understanding who God is, revering him. God's people are to come before him with that right mindset, realizing that he's the one on the throne. He's the one that is sovereign over all. Hebrews 4.16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. As you, as you look at those verses from Daniel, if you're like me, you'll, you'll notice that Daniel uses a lot of plural pronouns there. He says, we our, us. He uses those pronouns even though he wasn't involved in the other people's idolatry. And, and so the obvious question is, why? Simply put, he was one of the people. We call ourselves citizens of the United States of America. We're part of our culture, our country. Daniel's identifying here himself as linked to a specific group. He had not committed the sin that had led to their exile, but he had committed other sins. So the entire nation was guilty before God. When one wants to confess to God that there, there shouldn't be no blaming or, or finger pointing. When we go to God in prayer, we should go as, as a representative of our group, whether, whether that be our country, America, whether that be our church, whether that be as part of a, of a Bible study group or, or as a family to seek God's forgiveness, to seek his blessing for, for the entire group. So an important lesson to learn about confession, that, that true confession takes personal responsibility. And it doesn't blame others. Right? We, we, we've seen that from the beginning, back in Genesis, at the beginning, right? Right? 
Adam blames Eve, and then Eve blames the serpent, and you know, and we've done it all ever since. Daniel had the right view of himself and the right view of God. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. I I, I don't see a a hint of complaint there from Daniel. He's stating what to him is obvious, that, that God was just, and every discipline that Israel had endured was fair and right and just in God's eyes. But he realized that his people also deserved the blame. Their own sins, their sinful actions had led them there. True confession realizes that sin comes with consequences. If, if, if we don't trust in God and believe what we just talked about with Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, then the penalty of sin is death. And instead of seeking to to shift blame, well, it's not my fault, or no, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, God, or, you know, we have to understand whether our own choices are, are the reason for the situation that we're in. Again, I, I ask, we as a church, have we let our country down as a Christian community, as a body of believers over, over years, over decades and centuries? Another professor, Dr. Francis Canavan, this is 100 years later after Alexander Tyler that I started with. Here's something he said. Democracy in a pluralistic society, pluralistic meaning more than one way to believe. Democracy in a pluralistic society is an endless but fruitless search for the lowest common denominator that can serve as society's moral bond. The more pluralistic society, however, the more difficult it is to find that common denominator. Is this what we're experiencing in the United States right now? The more we try to be so inclusive and and to not want to, to put any one group down, the more difficult it is to find something that, keep, that, that we have in common? I mean, I can tell you this morning something that we all have in common, and, and that is that God loves us. Everyone has a living soul that is important to God. And from the comfort of our homes and our easy chairs, that can be hard to fathom sometime when we see somebody picking up a machine gun and shooting up schools and shopping malls. That person has a soul. 
<laughs> continuing on with cannabis, man, I'm going now. Uh, continuing on with his, with his thought there about this pluralistic society, okay? He says, we did away with state churches in this country so that all Protestants could feel at home. Then we deprotestantized the country so that Catholics could feel at home. We dechristianized the country so that Jews could feel welcome. And then we dereligionized the country so that the atheists and agnostics might feel welcome. Now we are demoralizing the country so that deviants from accepted moral norms will not feel excluded. The lowest common denominator we have discovered is like the horizon, always approached but never reached. Dr. Francis Canavan. If that was true in 1986, when he made those comments, how much more true is it today? Our country has become even more demoralizing in the 21st century. And there just seems to be no stopping it. Thomas Jefferson, indeed I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. We too could equally echo those words. But again, can, can we blame society? for the state of fallen humanity? No. Sin. Sin's what has its grasps in us. The claws. And that's what sinners do. They sin. So confess those sins. Pray for God's mercy in your life and the life of our country and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. And now may God the Father give you courage and wisdom. May the pioneer of our faith, Jesus Christ himself, guide you in your journey. May the work of the Holy Spirit renew your hope in that mercy of God. Amen.